Today's episode is brought to you by Anchor Podcasts. They're our new partner here at the Mac Report, and their mission is to democratize audio. Anchor believed everyone should be able to have their voice heard, regardless of background or experience level. And if you've ever tried a podcast before, you know all the logistical barriers that can stand in your way. At Anchor, they aim to remove every single one of those barriers. Their goal is to make podcasting easy and fun without sacrificing the quality that every podcaster deserves. It's so easy with Anchor Podcasts, you can even create a podcast from your phone. To learn more, visit anchor.fm today. Welcome to this edition of the Mac Report Podcast. I am Mike McMahon. Our guest today Merrimack men's hockey coach Scott Bork. We'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, we talk a lot about how their off season has been so far. Uh, it's been about a month since their season ended back on February 27th. And of course, a lot of what they would be doing right now has been interrupted by the coronavirus outbreak here in the United States uh, and really across the world. It's interesting because, you know, we, we recorded our last episode with uh, Merrimack baseball coach Nick Barisi the day that all this kind of hit the fan uh, with, Major League Baseball postponing their season, the NHL and the NBA canceling or, or postponing, suspending their seasons. Uh, not long after that, the NCAA tournament was canceled. Uh, after we dropped that episode, the Frozen Four that was, of course, then canceled uh, later on in the day. I think that same day, all the championships, or the next day, I think all the championships were canceled. Uh, so really, it was um, we, we dropped that last episode and we're recording it right in the middle of all this stuff going going crazy. And here we are uh, almost two weeks later, but a week and a half later, and uh, we're going to talk to Merrimack head coach, or men's hockey coach Scott Borg today, just about how this has interrupted their offseason. Because now is a time with, with every other team, at least for that last week. Because remember, Merrimack's game, last game of the season against Boston College, was the second to last week of the regular season. There was another, another week in there where other teams were going to be playing and finishing up the regular season, and Merrimack would have been off. So they would have... Got a little bit of a jump start, I think, on recruiting, and they did. I mean, they had uh, about two or three weeks, maybe, probably about two weeks worth of of travel and recruiting uh, before all of that was suspended and had to stop. But I think you would have seen them on the road, and, and they they you know they they got some guys. I know they were, they were talking to some guys as well, but I think you would have seen a lot more from them in terms of uh, they just they would have been out more. You know, they would have been on the road recruiting more it really kind of affected their their spring plans because now is where things really start to get busy. You have the BCHL and the USHL and the Alberta League and the Ontario League. They, they've all got their playoffs, the North American League. All those things start to happen right now. The Prep League playoffs ended just before everything else was canceled. So they, the, the prep schools were able to finish up their championships, but uh, Massachusetts High School Hockey didn't. They were They had their championship games canceled. Um, but I think, you know, they, they would have been out there just, there would have been a lot to do. You know, this is a time of year for, for college hockey coaches where things get really busy, you know, in, in September before the, the, the college season starts, you have a lot of, of showcase tournaments, all the junior leagues have their showcase tournaments. And and that's a really busy time of year for recruiters because there's just, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of guys to see, uh, a lot of teams to see and a lot of them try to schedule those showcase tournaments for September, knowing that the college teams don't really get going till October. And it's a good opportunity for uh, these junior leagues to showcase their, their players. Well, the same is true, you know, at this time of year, this would have been the time of year where those leagues go to playoffs and you've got the RBC cup up in Canada, the USHL playoffs. There's a lot going on, a lot of games and, and really good teams for recruiters to go out and see. And it would have been a really busy time for Merrimack. It was 
last year. This time last year was a really busy time for Merrimack. Uh, and I think this year would have been the same, but now it, it all got interrupted with this. And, and of course, understandably so. Uh, you know, this is out of everybody's control, but uh, I wanted to talk to Coach Bork today just about how how they're dealing with it as a program. I mean, take the personal stuff out of it, and everyone's kind of dealing with it in their own way, personally. I've been stuck in the house with my, my kids for the better part of two weeks, and active kids, uh, not kids that are used to sitting around and doing nothing, uh, kids that are used to having a hockey practice or a baseball practice or something to do every single day of the week. So two weeks of them sitting at home with nothing to do is driving them uh, and my wife and I a, a little bonkers. Uh, but just I wanted to see how this affected their program um, because – like I said, it would have been a busy time for them. And and what are they still able to do? I mean, you can't really, it seems to me that from an NCAA perspective, everyone's kind of at a standstill. There's no recruiting. Uh, there's obviously no games being played. So everything's kind of just come to a, a, a halt. Uh, but we do talk about the end of the year and we, we, we'll talk about uh, what their plans would have been for the spring, what they were able to accomplish in the spring and, and all that stuff. So it was an interesting conversation. Um, and then, uh, we're going to do more podcast episodes too. Uh, I want to try to get something set up with a couple of other coaches on campus just to talk about how this has affected their program. I wanted to talk to uh, Joe Gallo again. We talked to him at the beginning of the season, but haven't had a chance to talk to him at the end of the season. And of course, men's basketball had a really strong finish to their first regular season as a division one team. Uh, women's basketball did as well. Um, and then there's some things that we still need to get answers on. It sounds like the NCAA is going to allow spring athletes to apply for another year of eligibility, but we don't know how many athletes that's going to affect at Merrimack. How, how many will even take advantage of it? You know, some kids, uh, I'm sure, still look at it as, "Hey, this is I'm, I'm going to graduate. I'm not going to stick around another year." Uh, but I'm interested in, in knowing how many of those spring athletes are going to take advantage of an extra year of eligibility if it's something that they're interested in, in going after. Uh, so there's just there's so much uh, that we we need answers to and, and may not get for a while because, Hey, some of these guys, you know, when looking at, at spring eligibility next year and do they want to hang around? Uh, there's a lot of things that go into that. You know, what, what, first of all, when, when are people going to be able to go back to school? You know, I think whether it's elementary school kids, uh, like my kid's age or whether it's uh, college kids on the Merrimack campus, there's a, there's a legitimate chance that nobody goes to school for the rest of the year. You know, I really, I really believe that. I think there's a legitimate chance that nobody goes to school for the rest of the year. Uh, that that online classes and, and homeschooling for the younger kids is probably something that is going to have to continue for at least the rest of this year. And uh, who knows? I mean, maybe we get to middle middle to end of May and, and things get warm enough and <laughs> people are able to go back to work and, and go back to school. And, and we don't we don't know. But I mean, college the college campuses are done in May. So, <laughs> you know, the college campuses are basically done in about a month and a half, roughly. So the college campuses, I, I would almost think, are definitely online classes for the rest of the year. Uh, I don't see them going back to campus. It's just there's not enough time. You know, everything really is closed now till at least April 7th around here. Uh, there's some organizations I know in, in states that even go longer. I've seen April 26th as a date with some some uh, organizations here in the Massachusetts area. Um, my son plays, plays baseball, uh, both Little League and for a travel program and the travel program. Uh, right now we got an email the other day. They don't know what they're doing. They said, you know, we don't know if we're going to have a season or when it's going to start or how long it's going to be. We don't have answers yet. So there's so much that's still up in the air that nobody really knows what's going on. But, uh, I, I think that while it's, it's, first of all, it's great that the NCAA is giving the spring athletes another year of eligibility. I'm glad that they're doing the right thing from that perspective, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some athletes, uh, 
that just look at it and say, Hey, I'm 22 or 23 years old. Uh, I have a job waiting for me, you know, cause it's also, we're in March. I mean, who knows how many of these guys, uh, and, and girls have jobs waiting for them. You know, if you're a senior and it's March, you might already have a job ready to go. Uh, so we don't know how many of those, how many of those student athletes are, are going to not take the extra year because they've got a job, uh, at wherever, you know, that's waiting for them upon graduation in May. And they're not going to be able to take the job or to, to, to use that extra year of eligibility. So it's great that the NCAA is doing the right thing and allowing the kids that want to come back the opportunity to come back. Uh, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a guarantee that everyone comes back because everyone's in different situations, you know? Uh, and I think there's something too, that's going to have to be figured out from a scholarship standpoint, uh, whether those restrictions are lifted for a year or whatever. I mean, the, the, the sports, I mean, every sport's restricted by scholarships in some way, shape or form. If you've got a bunch of seniors that are coming back. What do you do? <laughs> you know, what are you going to be over your, you tell you push freshmen off for a year, ask them to PG a year or, there's so many things that go into it that are still, I think, unanswered. We need to, to get some clarification on what's going to happen with, with all those kids. But for today, uh, the focus of this podcast is on men's hockey with Scott Bork. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have Merrimack head coach Scott Bork. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. That way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. We use Anchor here for the TMR podcast, and it could not be easier. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Sage, what about this stick? I like the orange in it. No, Mom, what is this? This stick is so dusty, there's no more Geno's left in it. I can take it from here, Mom. What kind of tweet are we looking for here, bud? Just a stick so I could toss sauce Chef Boyardee style. Something more apples versus buckets. Yeah, as long as I could still snipe Bar South and Sally. All right, I got the perfect twig for you. It's going to be this stick here, mid-flex point stick, completely accurate for buy down every time. This is awesome. I love it. TSR Hockey. We speak your language. All right, we're here with the head coach of the Merrimack men's hockey team, Scott Bork, and got a lot to talk about, Coach. Uh, first of all, obviously, with everything going on uh, in the world right now, it's the new normal with a lot of things coming to a halt. And uh, I guess let's start with that. I mean, your off-season plans, I'm sure, were derailed a few weeks ago when everything shut down. Just kind of what what has the last couple of weeks been like for, for you and for you guys as a program to try to get all this stuff coordinated and, and what – how how much uh, how hectic did it get? I guess when everything kind of came to a halt a couple of weeks ago. Well, you know, I think the uh, we were in a good position because the students were on spring break when this happened. Um, so it was simply announced by the school, and the school uh, I think did a really good job. I think uh, the, the school leadership did a really good job of communicating very quickly and very directly with the students uh, and then our athletic administration, obviously with the, with the star staff. Um, but I think Merrimack has uh, – what I really liked about what Merrimack did and what uh, President Hopi did was, you know, he delayed everything. He didn't cancel anything, which gave the school a chance to see what developments were happening in the two weeks during that delay. 
and also gave the professors and the different people an opportunity to prepare themselves for what you know it looks like it might be longer than just a delay. So yeah. um, I think Merrimack's actually fairly well positioned for our students to be successful. Uh, still working out some kinks, obviously. Uh, from, a, from an athletic department standpoint and from a spring planning standpoint, you know, all of our stuff obviously had to get on the wash. You know, we couldn't uh, – the spring's a big time for our student-athletes and uh, mainly for our hockey players to get uh, in the weight room with Mike Kamal and yeah. uh, in the training room with Eric Manns for rehab. And uh, all of that, you know, is basically gone now. And, and uh, one of the things the NCAA has come out with is that you can't require your, your off-season um, – your off-season athletes uh, to be doing particular workouts because ultimately they don't want any athletes in the gymnasium that isn't right at their house. So, um, you know, Mike Kamal fortunately has a ton of experience and has kind of created some programs for our players that, uh, you know, no equipment, some equipment, all the equipment type thing. Uh, and so I think we'll move through this phase pretty good. We're fortunate in hockey that really the first phase, what we were doing was resting and resting yeah. our bodies. So, yeah. We have missed nothing yet, and I think starting next week, uh, our players have some outlines in front of them that uh, you know everything has to be optional. But I'm sure they'll choose the option to follow them. Uh, from from a coaching standpoint, kind of off ice stuff too. I know uh, with recruiting all getting shut down, this is a big time of year to recruit too because you've got all the junior leagues are, are heading into playoffs. There's a lot going on. I mean, it kind of feels like September when you got all the showcases and then, uh, you know, around this time when all those leagues are in playoffs, it's a busy time of year to usually go out and recruit as well. And obviously all that, all that was put on hold too. Well, the unfortunate thing, September is showcase time and that hockey is uh, a little bit summer hockey like, but the hockey we were going to see in March, it's great hockey. The playoffs in all these different junior leagues are, are outstanding uh, it's a great time to see your own recruits and how they perform in that pressurized environment. It's a great time if you're looking for another player uh, to be able to find a guy because you're seeing him at, at his most pressured time. Um, so, yeah, we did lose a window of recruiting. I really feel bad for the 20-year-olds that you know, weren't committed, that were 99 to a play and who had chosen – you know, in some cases, in many cases, they went to school in the second semester full-time to give themselves the opportunity to play this uh, this round of playoffs and beyond to try to get an opportunity in Division One, um, and so now with hockey being shut down, they very well may have enrolled in classes and be taking classes right now that you know really are not going to be in a position to help them. So really, the the big losses for the twenty year olds, I think, that were playing the last year of junior, the last uh, little couple months of junior, uh, they've lost opportunity, which is which is disappointing. Um, but from our standpoint, personally, for Merrimack. We were in a good position recruiting. Our, our class was pretty much put together already. Yeah, uh, we feel really good about where that class is at. Uh, we did get to see uh, you know, Alex Jeffries got to finish his playoffs with a championship. Mark Tillier got to finish his playoffs with a championship. Um, you know, a lot of good things happened for some of our guys. And Connor Lovett didn't get to finish his playoff with a championship, but they did play and and and, and lose uh, to Berkshire and in, in the quarterfinals. So. Some of our guys had a really good uh, finish, but certainly our junior players uh, lost a you know a big big portion of their season and opportunity. I know one of the things uh, with with Hillier in particular too, he set a, a scoring record for St. Andrews, which 
is pretty impressive when you look at the number of players that have come through there. And he did it with, I think, a five-point night in the semifinals of their championship. And then I think he had three points in the championship game. So uh, he was he was a monster for them down the stretch from what I could tell. I, I watched the championship game was streaming online, and I watched that. But it seemed like uh, that entire playoff run, and, and really all year, when you have 112 points or whatever it was, you had a monster year. But uh, when that, that pressure got to be you know the most at the end of the year in the playoffs, he, he really delivered. Well, I was lucky enough to be at the championship game of the league on that Monday before that national tournament. Uh, and, and Mark, uh, he had four points in the first five goals. And he really is just, you know, and, and I just, he uh, he's a player that has so much innate ability. He is so smart. He has zero, zero panic button, which is going to be heavily tested in college. Um and the interesting thing is that the player whose record he broke was Warren Fogle. And I obviously recruited Warren at the University of New Hampshire, and I watched Warren senior year. And Dave Mayne, the coach, will tell you, Warren played more games and played an easier schedule than they do now. Um, and Warren's points were totally different. His were driving the net, knocking the pegs off, you know, very physical um, than Mark's, which were, were mostly – very cerebral vision plays that a lot of guys can't make that he was making. Um, and he, he played really, really well in the game I saw. And, and, uh, you know, we were vacillating on when he'd be coming to school, uh, and basically put it in his hands. And, you know, he hasn't been challenged physically at a level that he will be next year. Uh, but at some point you got to credit the player and just say, well, he's playing above his, his age group or above his competition. And that's a, that's a good thing. Um, so that's why we made the decision to bring him in as a true freshman. Yeah, and it is a jump. I mean, I think we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but whether it's it's him or, or even Alex Jeffries coming around at a prep, they're going, especially at their age, being seniors, I mean, they're going to go from being uh, some of the older players in their league. Granted, there's post-grads that I, I think could be ahead of them age-wise, but they're going to go from being you know some of the oldest players at their level to, to being some of the youngest players at their level, and there's there's going to be an adjustment. But clearly you you look at what both of those two guys in particular coming out of prep school did this year, and uh, like you said, there's going to be an adjustment, but at some point you look at it and it's like, geez, you had 100 and something points. That's 100 and something. I don't care your age level. When you have that many, when you're averaging over two points per game, you're doing something right. Well, you know, it's funny, too. I, I was accused when I was uh, not that much younger, but when I was younger at, at New Hampshire of always leaving guys who are 20 and 21 years old, and we're going to have three true freshmen in this class, and Mark and Alex and Connor Lovett. And uh, I couldn't be more excited. You know, I just feel like uh, the three of them, uh, on for Alex and, and uh, Mark, you see it on their statistics, and, and they really were dominant at the level they were at. Uh, but all you have to do is watch Connor Lovett play once, and you know what he's going to bring every night. Um, so I'm excited for those three players. We're getting them earlier, maybe a year earlier than uh, I would have done earlier in my career. But I think that uh, for our program, for what we need, uh, for what, what the steps we're trying to make, uh, they're a great fit for, for us, our next step. And uh, really excited. And Zach Ewens was a true freshman this year, and you saw that – you know, he played every night in the biggest of situations and put himself in a great position with uh, most of the NHL teams that came to watch us play. And, um, you know, he really showed that, you know, playing a much more difficult position, playing defense and being in the first pair, that 
had to go back and get pucks when teams were coming after us and had to play against Jack Dugan and some of the other talented players in our league. He, he really stood up and played great. So I'm confident these guys will do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I brought this up, I think, the last time we, we did a podcast, but it almost feels like when you look at the impact that, that Ewan's had this year and Carlisle uh, and, and all the defensemen, really, uh, and then you – and obviously impactful freshman forwards in this class as well, but it almost kind of feels like this year was the class that was kind of built around the top couple of defensemen, and next year's class feels like it's a class that's kind of built around a, a top couple of forwards. Uh, is that kind of how it's breaking out? Because it seems like – I mean – the I don't. I don't have the class in front of me. I don't remember if there's any defensemen coming in next year or not. But really, the kind of the highlights of of this class coming in are, are certainly uh, Jeffries, Hillier, and, and Jacob Lee, who's coming out of the Alberta League. Those three in particular have just put up monster numbers this year. Yeah, and I have freshman forwards coming in, uh, and no freshman defenseman as of right now. Uh, you know, he's still young with the transfer portal. We'll see what if there's something that happens that comes to us that can make us a better hockey club, we'll certainly get involved. Uh, but I think that, you know, what happened last year, and I think it's it's really the thing that has put us in a good position recruiting-wise, those defensemen that you're talking about, the five freshman defensemen, it's really evident how much they contributed just by, you know, our team statistically. We talked about this before, giving up that many less shots a game, you know, able to, you know, our penalty kill and our power play to move from the, bottom of the league to not only the middle, but even the top, the top of the middle um, of the league and, and moving ourselves in good directions there. Certainly they had a lot to do with that. Um, and I think this incoming freshman class of forwards is going to benefit though, from the work that, and the experience at Mac Welsher and Liam Walsh and Ben Brar and Reagan Kimmins. And I hate to start mentioning names. I'm forgetting some already, but um, you know, that, that freshman group of forwards made, made a pretty big impact on our program. I, I It gets lost in some, some of the excitement of Ewans and Carlisle and Modes and Dennison and Vanal and the work that they did and how much ice they all got. Um, but I'm, I think our sophomore freshman next, excuse me, our sophomore forwards next year, um, they're going to have a huge year. So they played in such huge, they played big ice this year, really big ice and really big situations. And, um, that really puts them in a good position for for next year, and uh, we've had a, we've had some things that I think have fallen for us. You know, unfortunately, the injury to Patrick Kramer, which knocked him out for this season, did give him the opportunity to come back next year. So, you know, we'll have someone who's played big minutes in the middle of the ice who's not a freshman, which wouldn't have been the case. You know, and then with Jordan Seifert going out, uh, Liam Wallace got a lot of minutes. Uh, Mac Walsh got a lot of minutes that would have been Jordan Seifert's. So. Uh, now with the, those two guys coming back and, and obviously maybe our best recruit being Philip Forsmark, who hasn't yeah. played yet but will be a freshman next year, um, you know, that it's, it's, really, it's really exciting. I think that our, our, our team is ready uh, to make that next step. I know the guys are really excited about it. Um, you know, we just got to obviously do what everybody else is doing right now and get through this period of time in our country and, and in our world and then move forward. It's funny you talk about those four forwards specifically, and all four of those guys hit double-digit points. They all had at least ten points, and uh, I was just looking through quickly. The last time I see a freshman class that had four forwards score double-digit points was 2011. So it's nine years ago, uh, and that was Mike Collins, Carter Matson, Elliot Sheen, and who was the last one? Sean Bates was the other one. 
Uh, he had 11. So it's been a while since four freshman forwards have come in and, and scored, hit that 10-point mark, which doesn't always seem like a lot, you know, but in a 34-game schedule as a freshman, especially when some of those guys were on the younger side, uh, it hasn't happened that you've had that many freshmen come in and, and, and make an impact with a, a program in a while. It's been, you know, nine years since four freshmen have had at least 10 points at the forward position. Right. Yeah. No, no. And I, I, um, that's why I mentioned them. I, I think there is a lot of, uh, noise around some of the younger guys coming in and, and Jacob Lee, as you mentioned, um, uh, you know, so, and I think that's, that's, that's what should be. Those are really talented players. The players are going to make Merrimack better. Uh, the par- players who are going to help us make the next step. Uh, but the players we have and the players that went through it this year and our sophomores that will be juniors next year that went through the first two years, uh, that I've been involved with the program, I think really are the ones who are going to make the job easier for those young players to be successful. You know, who doesn't want to play with a, like Mac Welsh? Because you know what? He's going to hunt the puck. You're, he's going to hunt the puck for you. He's going to go get it. You know, same with Walshy, same with Reagan, Kim, you know, all of those guys really did a good job with that this year. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited about our freshmen, but I'm, I'm really excited about our group as a whole. Uh, and then even, I mean, we talked about team save percentage at the beginning of the year and how it's more than just the goaltender. Uh, but even the goaltenders were, were playing well. I mean, you look at, like, Gary Hudema had a stretch there in the, looks like from, like, the, if I remember, like, the beginning of December down to about, the, you know, the middle of January where outside of a couple of games here and there, he was playing really, really well. And Troy Colburn, you know, down the stretch was playing really well that weekend against Providence. Uh, probably the biggest example of that. So it did kind of seem like uh, there was – some improvements kind of coming from, from that group as well towards the end of the year. Yeah, I think that that's credit to both Yuri and Troy. Uh, also probably somewhat reflective that our team defense was improving and our ability at, you know, the, the one stat that as I look at the statistics and it's all about, you know, sh- trying to show the guys how easy it will be to improve that half a goal a game or that yeah. not take that one penalty a game, like really break it down. And, um, you know, the one stat that we were 10th in the league at was scoring defense. So uh, clearly that has to grow. And clearly that was a team goaltending situation at, at times. Uh, and we need to put our goalies in a better position. And I thought that at the end of the year, last month, we were doing that. Up that way at Maine, even though one of those games got away from us, but I felt in both games, I felt that way uh, against Boston College at home. I felt that way against Providence, all, obviously, all weekend. I felt that way in the first Boston College game at BC. Um, you know, the last one just kind of got away from us quickly. Uh, but I, I really uh, I felt that the things that were important for our team to make the new steps that we hope to make a year from now uh, were starting to happen this year. and. And certainly our goaltenders deserve some credit for that, um, just as much as our team defense deserves some blames for our goaltending percentage. Yeah, and, and I felt like, I mean, we talked about him a lot this year too, but I felt like that a lot of that started to turn around when Hallway was able to play, whether it was you know, making a play in the D zone. And, and again, like I think we, we've mentioned this before, coming out of Maine, he wasn't really known for uh, the D zone as much as he was for his ability to score points with the blue line. But uh, he he was really strong at times in the D zone. And then also, you know, sometimes it's just the guy that gets that puck in his stick and instead of uh, coughing it up, you know, or, or – creating a turnover in the defensive zone. He's able to get that first pass out of the zone and clear the puck, and, and you start going the other way with it. 
uh, it seemed like a lot of those percentages started to change when when he got inserted into the lineup uh, and really helped solidify that that other pairing. You know, where Ewens and Carlisle were they were really leaned upon all year, but especially in the beginning part of the year, once Hallway went into the lineup, uh, it gave you a really experienced guy on D, and, and it seemed like it just helped solidify things all around. Yeah, I, th- I think Patrick was a big help, you know, and uh, he's an exciting player. He's tough. Uh, I'm sure he's exciting for the fans because he creates scoring chances all over the rink. Um, you know, and I think he's a little bit, um, you know, his game got less risky as the year went on and he got that much better. Um, and he's he's exciting because I think that as much as I haven't been around millions of guys in his situations who have transferred in and, you know, but I, I just I see that as a hard transition to do, um, particularly when you can't play right away, and particularly when you go through a waiver process that ends disappointingly. Uh, he did a really good job of, of being a real part of our team before he ever went into the lineup, and I think that that was reflected in how excited the guys were about getting him into the lineup. You know, and he um, he's a big body who obviously can hammer a puck, he can create offense on the rush, uh, he gets pucks out of our zone pretty well. Um, and he doesn't panic. You're right on. And I think that, that calms the entire bench down. So next year, I think we're fortunate, you know, with, with Patrick uh, Hallway and Dom Dockery as seniors, you know, we have two guys who should play a lot of minutes for us, uh, who are very mature, who have been through a lot of stuff, and I think you're going to help us. And then that will create a lot of momentum for our younger players as well. So, uh, you know, couldn't be more excited about that group. And certainly from Patrick and, and uh, Doc, you know, leading it, I expect good things to happen. You know, one guy that we didn't really talk about much this year, and I know he was hurt at the beginning of the year, but uh, what did you see from Chase Greasock just throughout the course of this year? Because you look at the numbers, and he had almost the exact same numbers he had as a freshman, only he did it in six less games because he was hurt at the beginning of the year. So I don't know how much of how much of it was that, but I just you know there was so much attention on the freshman. I think at times that oftentimes what he was doing was almost getting overlooked and. Uh, especially when you look at the point totals and you're like, oh, well, he had you know, almost the same year he had as a freshman. Well, yeah, he did in six less games because he was hurt at the beginning of the year. Uh, so from a per-game standpoint, uh, you know, those numbers were are a lot better than they they were as his freshman year, and his freshman year was was pretty darn good. Uh, but w- what did you kind of just see from him over the course of the whole year w- once he got back from that injury that he had at the beginning of the season out at Lake Skate? Well, first and foremost, the you know, I think he had the first two goals of our season at Lake State in that first game they got hurt in. And he was really, you know, I think was ready to explode. And his injury, he tried to play through it a little bit. Um, it was just a nagging thing where he just said no pop in his step. Um, so he ended up having to sit those games. And then even when he came back, I think he had lost a little bit of pop. Um, so he wasn't able to be as aggressive with his feet as he was the year before. Uh, but he still, as you say, still had a really good year. He played with a freshman center pretty much all year. Um, it would have been very easy to try to put, you know, him in the left wing with Tavernier and, and T.I. because him and Sammy played very well together. But I just felt like we needed more depth. And he, you know, never said boo. He was a captain throughout the year in a really positive way, just, to, you know, he leads by example. So I would expect us to see a really big year from him next year. I, I think that he's the player, you know, every year you look at everybody's team, and I look down at people's rosters. You know, who are the who are the three players that this team needs to make a step? Who are the two players? You know, who are the three? 
for us, one of them is definitely Chase Greesaw because he has the ability to put up really big numbers in our league. I think he'll be around some experienced players next year who will be able to help him with that. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I think Chase, did a, he had a really good year, quietly got all his points. But by the end of the year, our last game, he was actually starting to kill penalties. Um, so his, his game, even though he wasn't as explosive uh, as he was the year before with some of his points, I think his whole 200-foot game came a long way this year, and I expect huge things from him next year. I think he's going to be able to play for us in every situation. Uh, and then lastly, I mean, you might not know this because there's so much uncertainty right now, but what, what's kind of the plans for the next couple of months? Is it uh, what, what I guess, were the original plans for, for you guys the next couple of months, and, and what do you think the next couple of months will look like? Well, our original plan was to um, – you know, we were going to be back at school and, and uh, doing some, some different rehab-type uh, situations with our player, our whole group. You know, one of the things, I, I think we're very fortunate at Merrimack, uh, and particularly with our hockey program, that, you know, Mike Kamal and Eric Mance, who are two guys that I, you know, inherited when I came in here, are both super talented at what they do. And, you know, they came to me after our season ended, and they felt that, uh, you know, we put so much more in the summer than has happened in the past that our players were in the skating position uh, and in that kind of, you know, uh, hip flexor lockup, if you will, because that's what ends up happening. Yeah. Um, you know, all the way through all summer last year into the fall, uh, I thought we just really needed two to three weeks of stretching uh, to get our guys back, to get their, their hip, hips back, their glutes back, where they could then start training again. That was the original plan. So that's been able to happen, and, and they, the guys have those – stretches and those things that they can, you know, attend to. Um, my hope is, and, and, and without any real confidence, and I say this, is that summer semester will happen, um, and then we'll have most of our guys, you know, involved uh, at that point as well. Uh, the thing that I really think we missed this year is our, we're allowed to skate all the way up to the national championship game. We did that last year and just had skills practice. Well, this year, we were going to have a uh, skills coach come in and really work on our edges, you know, for three weeks. Oh, yeah. uh, that's, that's a big, that's a big miss not having that happen. I was really excited for that. We're going to try to fit that in uh, some way next fall. I'm going to figure out how to do that with, you know, coaching limitations and different things, but we're looking into that right now. Um, but I think our, our, uh, that, that's, that's the next step for our program is to try to have someone in that regard that, can take guys one-on-one. It's not a coach running around recruiting. It's not a coach that's making lineup decisions. It's not a coach you don't want to fail in front of, uh, but someone who can really put you in in stressful situations skill-wise that can continue to grow your game. We owe that to our guys, and that's what, you know, our focus is trying to create those opportunities. That won't start until – hopefully we'll start in July with with our summer stuff, but – you know, we're trying to figure out how to add that in. So that's really the next couple of months. You know, I, I think that we have no, right now, Merrimack is still scheduled to come back to school. Um, if that happens, uh, that would be great. I, I just, you know, with the recent things going on, I'd be surprised. Yeah. So we're really relying on our guys to take the programs that Mike gives them, take the, the, the opportunities that they have within their home um, to, to do those programs and then try to get us in the best shape possible. I do think... I actually haven't said this to our team yet. Depending on how long this goes, 
this is going to be kind of old school when, you know, everybody went home for the summer and the, and the spring and you got back what you got back in the fall. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, when I played, you didn't get back much. You know, you had to get those guys back in shape. Uh, even 15 years ago, those guys would come back in. You had to get them back in shape in the fall. Um, so we could actually win this time of year. This challenge is, a, is an opportunity for us to win. And the win would be that if we would have had 100% commitment to being in the best shape that you could possibly be in, and that's how we enter our next phase, we'll win that commitment because, you know, many teams aren't going to be able to do that. And maybe we aren't going to be able to. I'm not sure. But uh, my hope is that we can face it like that and say, just like recruiting, this is an opportunity for us to get an edge if we choose to use it that way. So let's choose to do it. Awesome. Well, thanks again uh, for taking the time today. We'll we'll do this again. We'll have to catch up in, in a couple of weeks or so. I would love to. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it and, Hopefully you stay safe and anyone who's listening stays safe and we can get uh, get back to our old normal. I don't like the new normal that much. Yeah, same here. <laughs> All right, uh, that is Merrimack <laughs> head coach Scott Bork. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll talk again soon. The world's greatest hamburgers are at Fuddruckers, and we're out to make the world happy one great burger at a time. Try one of our 10 specialty burgers, like the Fud 66 with Hatch Green Chili, voted number one at the New Mexico State Fair. You'll find the world's greatest hamburgers at Fuddruckers. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike McMahon CHN, and you can follow the site at The Mac Reports. If you're a Facebook user, you can also find us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye.